And welcome back to this episode of a Concast. My name is Victor Gamov and I'm a developer advocate with Conk. In a Concast, we're talking about all things cloud, connectivity and Conk. And today I'm still at the DevNexus conference in Atlanta, Georgia. And today I'm extremely excited to be joined by, by my friend and also the conference speaker, Grace Jensen. Hi. Grace, great to have you on the Concast. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to join. We are in Atlanta, yes, uh, and we're doing uh, on, uh, offline conferences, finally. <laughs> yeah, at last. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, and that's great. And it's great to have you. And you uh, you were speaking here today. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm a developer advocate at IBM, hence the t-shirt. Uh, and I focus a lot on like Java, cloud-native technologies, reactive, yes. all that fun stuff. And yeah, I had two sessions today at the conference, so it's been a busy, hectic day. Uh, I was looking at one talk was on how do we do stateful applications in a cloud native manner? Uh, and the second talk was around biology and how we can learn security lessons from mother nature. Yeah. Um, I have a biology degree before I went to the dark side and joined tech. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I like to combine them. So let's start with uh, like a boring stuff. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the um, stateful uh, workloads in a yeah. cloud environment. Yeah. Like, uh, What's all the fuss about? Like, what's the problem? You know, what's, what's the problem, right? Right, so it's this whole thing of, if you look at definitions of cloud native, so many definitions focus on this fact of it has to be stateless, you have to have stateless microservices and all this sort of stuff. And realistically... Yeah, if it goes down, it, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, goes, this is the whole thing, right? It's about portability, yeah. flexibility, cloud native behaviors, which is all great. But realistically, we have to have stateful applications sometimes. You know, yeah. it's not necessarily a choice. Databases, like we need to remember. Precisely, persistence, yeah. whatever that is. However you do it, whether it's a database, Cassandra, et cetera, Kafka. Yeah. You know, we're going to have some kind of persistence in there. And so exactly. it's about, okay, how do we take these more brownfield applications that we're trying to migrate to the cloud yeah. and effectively enable that persistence in a cloud native manner? So it's about enabling things like um, looking at methodologies like the 12-factor app methodology, looking at reactive applications, using patterns like Saga patterns, mm -hmm. or there's long-running actions. All of these sort of developments within the cloud native infrastructure that allow us to do it in a more cloud native mm -hmm. way. So that's what we're kind of exploring in the talk. So in... Um in, at IBM, like, what is the the current like uh, uh, the thing around the cloud the strategy? Like, what's the IBM is doing these days around this? Is it like around Kubernetes, or maybe we're still in the Cloud Foundry, or maybe it's something because IBM is doing a lot of things. Yeah. You know, if you go to any uh, open source project around um, like a cloud and serverless, like IBM is doing things. Like, there was a um, um, what's the the serverless functions project? There was mm -hmm. a Apache. Uh, Remind me, what's the, what was the I name? I can't think of it? which one it is. Um, it was a, like a, the, 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 the function as a service project. I don't think I was involved in that. Okay. I'm not sure. But okay. yeah, we are doing a lot and especially open source. Like we love supporting the open source community. Yeah. And so, yeah, we've been doing a bunch of stuff. Like for example, um, one of them I mentioned was LRA. So long running actions. Yeah. And so we've been helping with the micro profile community. So they now have an API called long running actions, uh, which is a great way of looking at sort of persisting state, especially if you have actions and transactions that span across like, I guess, multiple mini transactions within those transactions. Yeah. Uh, so that can really help with that. So People we're involved still doing in that. This? Like, isn't it like something that we try to, um, we try to fix uh, and teach them to do, not to do 
uh, with things like event store and, and things like that, but why people still like uh, love their transactions? So I guess it's a case of, it really depends on the application, right? It depends on, can you switch to something like event sourcing or right. do you have to do transactions in some manner? And also it's a case of, you know, it, it takes a lot of energy and effort and resources to completely change every aspect of your application. Yeah. So yeah. if we can help get customers and clients who have perhaps older databases or older applications and move them to the cloud through techniques like LRA, yeah. then at least maybe over time, maybe they can switch to something else that's a bit more cloud native in terms of principles, but at least it helps them to get to the cloud and to do it in a more cloud native manner. Um, it's a really cool technology. It's still sort of just getting worked on. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of work happening within that space. So how does it work like underneath, in, in inside of the, the where the state would be per, uh, like a persisted um, and how this would be transferred in case of like a failure of one of the nodes? Because, you know, serverless, it's nothing like someone else's computer. And uh, when you run it on your own computer, it's a file on your computer. Yeah. And that's one it, of the classic challenges with cloud native, right, yeah. is the whole like, when you're running it locally, you don't have all the issues of distributed computing, right? You don't exactly. have the issue of like, yeah. you can just look at the logs, you can yeah. just debug something straight away. And so that's where like it becomes important to have the basic understanding of like, right, how is this going to work in a distributed environment? Like, where is my logging coming from? Have I got observability in mm -hmm. there? Am I getting metrics from it? Uh, it becomes like a whole host of new challenges and persisting state is just one of them. There's a ton of other challenges out there where, you know, it's that's what I mean by sometimes moving from, say, a more monolithic application that's perhaps more established to completely cloud native is huge. Yeah. So breaking it down into smaller steps can really help and enable them to do it one step at a time, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And when we um, when we start breaking the things down, um, we need to, like, when we're talking like classic uh, the, the task of like bringing down the monolith, right? So we need to think about the stuff, how this um, the monolithical components like microservice of this monolithical system, how they will communicate to each other, right? Yep. So um, it can be like API calls and can be event store and like a messaging mm -hmm. and uh, the things around the Kafka and uh, event streaming and things like that, yeah. right? So what's the um, what's your favorite pattern that you you know talking to to customers to users like um, if we like breaking down and bringing one things one by one? Yep what would you suggest people to look at as a communication layer for uh, for the services? Yeah, um, as you say, it, there's so many choices out there. It is really like an array, like almost too much choice yeah. in terms of trying to pick one. It, exactly, yeah, that's that's a problem. Like, the problem yeah. is not like we have nothing, we have it too much. <laughs> yeah. And that's why uh, users and like the people in the conferences, they they looking for the sensors and like what kind of things will make sense for them. Yeah. Like yeah. for a long time, I was like a huge proponent of kind of like event, um, event-driven approach, right? Mm -hmm. When we not communicating directly, so it's not like a, you know, we're not gonna call you, but rather we'll leave you a message you and listen. you will, yeah, you will yeah. pick it up whenever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's approach with the, okay, we're gonna take the component, we will mimic it to kind of doing remote call, but we will mimic it as a local call and we do kind of like a remote procedure call type of stuff with yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, gRPC and some, some other technologies. So what's also available uh, there and like uh, what you would recommend personally to to for this type of task? So I, like last year, you might know that I was speaking a lot with Kay Stanley, uh, who was working on a lot of Kafka stuff and yeah. that really opened up my eyes to the whole like event streaming like area because yeah. I hadn't really yeah. explored it that much. Um, I love the fact that 
Kafka enables you to be able to connect in with so many different applications because it's so driven by the open source community, which mm -hmm. I love. Um, so Kafka is a personal favorite of mine. Um, and it links so well into reactive and into those like cloud native behaviors and characteristics. So for me, I think it's a fantastic opportunity to be able to try it mm -hmm. because it's so available. It's not like you're saying, oh, well now you need a new license because you now have to buy this product and this yeah. product. And like, if you're interested in trying out some event sourcing and event messaging and really enabling that asynchronicity at the communication layer, I think Kafka can be a great starting point to to give it a go, try it out, see how the connections are with your particular application and, and the stack that you're using. Because most of the time, there's connections of some kind into Kafka yeah. to be able to allow you to try it. So you mentioned this, um, like uh, we, we mentioned this a lot of times in this podcast, talking about like a cloud native applications and yeah. stuff like that. What makes cloud native? Like, <laughs> this especially... is like the million dollar question, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah, so like I was doing a bit of research into it. I, I have a whole talk around what does it really mean? We use this term so much and everyone seems to have different definitions of it. Yeah. Like if you look at various vendors who've been doing cloud native for ages, some of them state, oh, it has to be microservices. Some of them say it has to be serverless, has to be stateless, sorry. And there's a various different definitions. I think for me, really, when you take all of those definitions and you take out like specific architectures or specific languages or specific platforms, yeah. when you actually boil it down, for me, it's a set of characteristics and behaviors. Yeah. And really what it boils down to is having applications that are responsive, so performant, yeah. that are able to perform well under whatever load you throw at them and whatever conditions they're in, applications that are able to be um, scalable Scale. and yeah. elastic. So being able to rapidly go not just up, but also back down again to yeah. be able to be cost effective. Exactly. Um, and applications that really deliver this sort of resilient behaviors that we need. So having things like fault tolerance built in, having these behaviors where because inevitably, something's going to go wrong at some point. Yeah. You might be depending on some other service, or maybe your infrastructure goes down. Yeah, you don't want to go this like cascading failures exactly. to happen. Like yeah. you depend on the service that depends on another service, and Precisely. now you have and like now a... you have the problem, right? Yeah. So being able to predict those failures and have behavior inbuilt into your application that enables you to still perform a function, allow a service to occur. I think these three sort of sum it up in terms of well, actually. You know, in cloud native, we're looking at observability and yeah. enabling rapid deployment. And all of these things actually, at the end of the day, are enabling these behaviors. So yeah. for me, it's those core principles that really we're trying to strive to achieve when we're building cloud native applications. Okay, so uh, many of you listeners, you you know, you, if you're watching this, you're doing the right thing. If you're listening to this, go to our YouTube channel and uh, watch the, uh, the Concast on YouTube because this is the right way to consume this type of content. Uh, we ask our guests to um, bring some interesting demo. And uh, I also uh, ask Grace that uh, she will like record and we will using the magic of the, the movie editing and uh, all this kind of stuff. We'll bring this in because, you yeah. know, it, being in a conference, it's a little bit joy because we're kind of getting back to, uh, to, to normal life. Yeah. But it also is a stress for the speakers because you need to make sure that the things that they will do in like have a good content, they still yeah. kind of 
uh, the application is up and running. Like Grace met Praying me. To the demo gods. Exactly. <laughs> couple uh, couple uh, hours ago, when uh, in the hallway, and I was like like super uh, like focused <laughs> on the stuff that doesn't didn't work uh, before my talk, but like I was able to fix it. So Grace, what you will be showing us today? Yeah, yeah. So I've mentioned it a few times throughout sort of my answers, and yeah. I have a real interest in it. Is this sort of concept of reactive applications? Mm -hmm. So for those of you who've perhaps not come across this term before, it's not new. It's just sort of been coined within this manifesto that's kind of been created. Yeah. And it, it sort of revolves around those core principles of cloud native. So building applications that are asynchronous and message driven. So really going along those sort of lines of Kafka, et cetera. Yeah. Building applications that are elastic, resilient and, and highly responsive. And so as part of that sort of manifesto, that, that architecture type, uh, I've been looking into things like MicroProfile have created something called reactive messaging, mm -hmm. which really allows you to bring in reactive into your application in in quite an easy manner, just using annotations. Yeah. So in my so demo, let's uh, do let's that. do like a step back and a little bit updating. So yeah, to, yeah. to my uh, to my listeners who are not familiar and have not been in uh, in Java for a while, so. Uh, what is MicroProfile? Yes, and, we should uh, cover that. Yes. So MicroProfile, for those of you who haven't come across it, is really a community-driven specification. Yeah. Uh, so it, it has multiple different APIs, and the whole reason it was created was to enable developers that are perhaps creating Java or Jakarta applications to enable them to build applications that are ready for cloud native, that mm -hmm. are microservice-driven. Uh, so it enables uh, APIs like health, metrics, fault tolerance, configuration, um, and also some Jakarta EE ones like uh, JAXRS, mm -hmm. REST, etc. So really by enabling these additional APIs and, and specifications, right. we can then use them in our Java and Jakarta EE applications so that we have the behavior that we need for those core cloud native behaviors. Um, and one of them, as you mentioned, is reactive messaging. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's the one I've been taking a look at, and that's the one I'm going to demo in my in my demo. One of the questions that I usually have, like unrelated to technology, at yep. the uh, to my guests in this podcast, is that maybe like, can you recommend um, in anything that maybe you recently read some interesting book, or maybe you list some interesting, I don't know, the album of uh, your favorite band, so something, <laughs> something that something will give them, yeah, a little bit, yeah, a little bit more inspirational, less technology and. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, I was actually in the, the Women in Technology breakfast this morning. Yeah. And we had some amazing, we had a really amazing speaker who uh, was talking about, she'd founded Women Who Code, which is a great initiative getting more women into technology. And just listening to her story of, you know, all the people that she interacts with who is, obviously, I think we, we're all aware that we have a diversity issue within technology in general. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily helped by the enterprise nature often of what we're involved in. Um, and I think... A lot of women ne don't necessarily see opportunities, for example, or what they could achieve. Yeah. So it was really nice to listen to the stories of women who had come here. It was their first conference, for example, or they hadn't done this sort of thing before. And being able to step outside their comfort zone, like welcome them into this community, welcome them into Java, into conferences, etc. It was really nice to be able to, and like inspiring, yeah. to hear their stories and to be able to encourage more women in te into technology. because. I think it's it's fantastic to get more diversity within this industry. I agree. And uh, where we can learn more, like uh, what information that the who you know listeners and watchers 
uh, who are watching this uh, the video what they can learn and where they can learn more about this. Yeah, yeah. So there's the Women Who Code initiative. So they are a whole team of people all over the world uh, in most major cities, and they have a website, Women Who Code, and yeah. you can check that we'll out. We'll put the uh, you know the URL as, as we do wherever it needs to be. Exactly, <laughs> as we're doing this on YouTube, yeah, so you can find everything there. <laughs> everything. There. And this is a really great website. You can get involved. There's loads of projects, volunteering, mentoring, that sort of stuff. Um, and again, you can find them in lots of cities around the world. So hopefully, wherever you're listening from, there'll be one nearby you. So if you're interested, definitely check out that initiative. That's great. Grace, uh, it was great to have you at the Concast. Um, hope uh, we'll see you around the globe more uh, in the different conferences and we will uh, cross paths more. <laughs> and uh, with this, thanks so much for being part of Concast. My name is Victor Gamow and as always, have a nice day. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast using your favorite application so you don't miss a new episode. Don't forget to drop us a comment if you have any questions for today's guests or if there's a topic you'd like to see us cover in the future. For more content from today's guest, you can join us on YouTube to see demo segment from this episode of Concast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>